Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast, and this is a very special WrestleMania weekend edition, and joining me is my co-host, Chad Cruz. Chad, happy WrestleMania weekend, sir. Happy WrestleMania weekend to you as well. Um, coming from one former world heavyweight champion. Um, uh, world, huh? Yeah, I had a, I held a world heavyweight title. That's that's interesting. The RCW heavyweight championship was defended in multiple countries. I will have you know. All right, well, not you by me. Them? Oh, um, yeah, United States of America. Okay. Um, I believe it was defended in uh, Canada. Well, that's usually an easier one to get, and then, to, especially and from then, Ohio. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, hmm, I don't know if you want to count Puerto Rico, but I think it was down there too. Maybe Mexico. It was a couple of those places. All right. So it's really a North American, North American championship. Well, uh, they oh. considered it world. I will accept that. I'm sure you will. Anything that makes you sound better, yep. uh, you'll go for. Joining us as our third man here in the booth, it is our good friend, Ryan Campbell. Ryan, I know you just, Ryan just flew into town and boy, are his arms tight. That's right. From a, from a great wrestling city as well. I just came in from Philadelphia. Um, so. Ah, the city of brotherly love. That's right. It was actually, there was many nice people there. As first time I came there, it was, it was really cool. I enjoyed it. Um, the home yeah. of next year's WrestleMania. That is true. Yeah. So I, I, I learned, that's what I was doing. I was scoping it out mm. in my lay of the land, riding the, the subway system to try to learn where everything was. So yeah. Did you get us a, like a skybox in the uh, stadium? I did so what I could. could. So we could I, do I, a, we could do a live podcast. I tried to like, I ate a bunch of cheesesteak and tried to throw some batteries at Santa, hoping that they would mm. accept me as one of their own. I don't know if it worked. Let's you know what we, we could do? We could just go there and, uh, and hide out in the box and then, uh, if we stay there like longer than six months, they have to let us stay, right? There you go. Squatters' rights, yeah. Squatters' rights, well, baby. Like all the Taylor Swift fans were doing, where they were like getting jobs at stadiums and then just showing up and quitting the day of the concert. Oh wow, brilliant! We'll people are people are diabolically smart in today's Tay-tay. world. Um, you know, I I love when we have these wrestling themed episodes because especially with you two guys, because wrestling is how the three of us became friends. I know we've Mm -hmm. talked about that in the past, but it's always nice to kind of get together. Uh, This is like, you know, wrestling fan Christmas. I've said that before too, but this is the biggest uh, wrestling weekend on the calendar. 
And uh, we're doing something special because we are going to be counting down our favorite action movies featuring professional wrestlers. Mm -hmm. And it was the entire staff of Bulletproof Action got together. Plus, we had some special guests, including one special guest who is going in the Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame this Sunday, tomorrow when this drops, our good friend Paul London. Very happy for him. Very happy. And you know what's funny is he can go into the Hall of Fame as an indie wrestler, but he also had quite the career as a non-indie wrestler. Oh, yeah. I mean, Not all he, can say that. he and, you know, one of the you know, best cruiserweights that it ever was. Yeah. Great tag team wrestler. Yeah, he had a hell of a career. And I hope one day he does get the, the WWE Hall of Fame as well. Uh, but yeah, really happy for him. Uh, you can check that out. I believe it's going to be aired on Fight tv so i know that's part of my plans you know can't jam enough wrestling into this weekend right is that is that a gcw that's doing that yeah game changer yep. yeah yeah and i know you went to a game changer and that you you enjoyed the and i know kota bushi is wrestling for a game changer so i might want to check that out as that's well that's wild yeah. be there who's that was his handler, handler? Yeah. i hope so i could ima- only imagine kota bushi's handler is one of my favorite people on, on planet earth uh not ahead of paul London, who's also one of my uh, favorite people on earth too so uh yeah happy paul, to have we never work a match i don't think we ever did together did we because you got injured ryan campbell i did very early but i mean all those all those weekly shows and everything you're pretty much always there you never i don't think we ever worked a match hmm. i don't recall i have a terrible memory that's true. Actually, you know what? I think we did at uh, one of those sports of all sorts shows. Now that I think about it. Okay. I was tagging with Mathis, I think is what it was. Against the uh, Noble Bloods? Yeah, I believe that's what it was. Oh, well, that would make sense. Noble Bloods were quite the tag team in the HWA. We, uh, I've been reliving my, some, you know, that, that uh, HWA, whatever the classic stuff they're putting the old results up that's pretty fun to follow along with but it's just reminding me how terrible i was and how much of a jobber i was yeah i actually got uh some i was interviewed for for the uh, cyber they were doing something on cyber clash which was the first internet pay-per-view we did like when internet pay-per-view was not an easy thing to do at all Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah they had asked me some questions about that i don't know i don't think it's up yet i would assume they would have they would have uh, let me know. So I when know that happens, I will this, share. I know we talked about this off pod, but just out there, like the roster that we had there, if we had the resources that people have today where you can easily stream to YouTube, like yeah. from a phone, if, yeah. if we would have had them resources with the roster we had at that time, man, we I think we could have really done some stuff. That was a pretty awesome roster. And we had the great Chris the Brain leading the show booking. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty good indie product, I would say, for like a local you know yeah we, we just it, we were before our time in some cases and i think yes. you know that's the other thing too if you're part of why people go if, if you have those resources now more people will come to you as well yeah. quality people will come to you because they're like oh you've got a good operation going here i want to be a part of it and long-term yeah. storytelling you had stuff booked for two years out some of those, those i love a good long-term life. story yeah it's 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 what you need to do when you can do it. And you obviously also need to be able to pivot because shit happens. Like people, people don't show up on Wednesday night or people don't show up. Yes. I'm, I'm still waiting on the, the long, long-term booking that puts the strap on me. 
still well, kind of waiting. Yeah. Uh, well, it's out of my out of my hands at mm. this point. Uh, so uh, that's that's that. But uh, I think we've. Uh, oh, you know, while we're talking HW, another one of the special guests. You know, let's just mention him again. I think this is a five show streak now. Oliver Kane. Oh, also uh, threw his two cents in on our favorite action movies. Bloods. What a uh, what a rivalry. Yeah. And you know, then, I don't think we ever had a good match together. That was the sad part. <laughs> Maybe you it's because you're too, both too healed. I don't know. Maybe. I, I always got the feeling that they didn't like us at all. Yeah. Um, probably still feeling. probably still don't. You know? Well, I think competition because you guys kind of occupied the same space. That could That's be. true. You, and you guys were getting the, the big push and they were kind of in the middle. Could be. It, I always you know, I kind of thought we were just assholes or something, maybe. <laughs> well, that could be too, or maybe it was just Matt Taylor they didn't like. That could be it. They that loved you, well but they yeah. hated Matt Taylor and his stupid long hair. Maybe. Yeah, his hair was long. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be. Uh, so yeah, and I also want to mention Andrew Babcock, a good friend of mine. On you know, he's always given me suggestions on these classic TV shows and movies, and he he probably rivals Toy Man in the physical media department because this nice. guy is going to the secondhand places multiple times every week and just he's always got something new added to his collection i don't know how he has room for it but uh so yeah he was there again the whole staff and we came up with again these are our favorites i don't necessarily think these are necessarily in the order of best but more personal preference so yeah. don't get yourselves all wound up when you hear this list and be like, what the fuck are you guys smoking over there? Yeah. There was also some uh, differentiation on what constituted like starring in a role. Like I tried to go with not cameos in my list. And I know there's someone here that, you know, are somewhat kind of cameos, but that's the fun part of a list though. Exactly. So, you know, we filibustered long enough guys, let's get into it. Number 10 on our list. And I should note that we actually have a list of 20. And if you want to see the entire list, well, you got to go to bulletproofaction.com and you'll see all 20, but we're going to cover the top 10 here on this episode. So number 10, release May 15th, 2015, Mad Max Fury Road. Chad Cruz, I know this is one of your favorites. It is. It's probably one of my favorite action movies of the last 10 years, um, easily, maybe longer. But yeah, it, it, it does feature a former WWE superstar question mark nathan jones <laughs> participant uh, i believe a participant in some matches but he uh yeah he he was there for a cup of coffee in the fed and and uh what a, a massive size dude just a freakishly huge guy great look uh absolutely zero charisma uh no hair either and uh yeah he just looked like a million bucks but boy did he suck in the ring but he uh he's kind of found a new life i guess you know i think he's got a a pretty good martial arts background and he's found a new life making a lot of films overseas and, and getting the shit beat out of him by Jet Li and, and fearless. And then, and then again here in uh in Mad Max Fury road is rictus erectus. Oh yeah. And we talked about him on uh, when we covered the condemned cause he was in that one as well. We did. Ryan Campbell thoughts on Mad Max Fury road. A classic, uh, one of the best action movies probably of all time. I think that's not too, you know, controversial to say at this point, but also in, in just regards, since this is the focus of the, the, the podcast, Nathan Jones character had a great kind of 
juxtaposition with I'm looking up now the name of like the the little guy that he was always with that was, yeah they're like son of of a uh, um but that was always a nice dynamic on screen to see like the big giant dumb guy and then he's being directed by like the little guy it was just a cool dynamic to have on screen and and then what it's already just a balls out nonstop movie so a good one here's something I could tell everybody that should anger them maybe anger them more than the fact that all those people that not there's some people not happy with me chad that i did not like surf ninjas hmm really there are i think they all are friends with uh, the toy man but uh that doesn't matter i've never seen mad max fury road holy shit wow yeah but i've seen freaking surf ninjas so i I will have to correct that uh, as soon as possible because it's not it's just it's one i wanted to see but i don't know somehow it just it slipped by it's definitely one of those movies that is is kind of good in any setting like you you could watch it with a group of people or you could watch it by yourself but but i think it's best you know turn the lights out jack that sound up on on whatever type of speaker system you have in your lair over there and and uh and just get yourself some snacks and get after it. Don't don't let yourself be distracted because every frame of that film is just like a masterpiece. So Direct, directed by George Miller. Yeah, of course it's going to be. How him. old is George Miller these days? I don't want to look it up, but he, I know he's got to be pretty damn old because if he did I bet, the first I bet he's that, about. I think he's about eight years older than he was when this movie came out. He's probably three it's or four years older than you. So then he's freaking old. You, yeah. You're right there. Yeah. Yeah. there. I got you. I got you. All right, well, that's number 10 on the list. Going now to number nine. This one released May 3rd, 2002. It is Spider-Man. And I'll tell you what, this movie, like you said, Ryan, at the start, what do we say? Starring role, cameo role. How are you not going to mention, though, Randy Macho Man Savage as Bonesaw McGraw? It was a small role, but it is a freaking memorable one. It definitely, I mean, Bonesaw is ready. It was perfect, but... And also just like that, that moment of the first time that, that, you know, Peter goes out and becomes Spider-Man and, and the importance of that moment leading up to when Uncle Ben dies. So that's a very crucial part in the mythos of Spider-Man. Um, so it was, it's a very, again, small role. I would label it as a cameo, but done to perfection. And he was all in. It was just, you know, an excellent scene. Um, that was perfect. So thank you. Thank you, Randy Savage, for, for doing that. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a great time. I mean, that was like, in many ways, I would say maybe my Superman in a way, like you would say brain when Spider-Man mm-hmm. came out, just as he was my favorite growing up and the thought that they would never make a live action Spider-Man, it would just be too hard. How would you have him swinging around? So in a way that like you would say, you'll believe a man can fly. I never believed that we would see Spider-Man in live action swinging through the actual city of New York. So that whole I- moment was just kind of like a, a benchmark for me movie and the C Randy Savage in it was awesome. So was the tagline for Spider-Man, you'll believe a man can spray swing. Maybe it was swing. I don't know. Oh. No, spray was the uh, porn parody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> semen man. That's semen man. Oh, Ooh. intriguing. Semen man. Semen. <laughs> Chad Cruz doing a little Google research right now. Uh, yeah. This one directed by Sam Raimi, which is, probably why we got bruce campbell in there as the uh, ring announcer as well uh yeah i I thought that was one of the coolest parts is just you know because you know macho man was one of the biggest stars of the 80s and certainly one of 
my favorites growing up. So to see him on the big screen, it just felt right. And uh, like he earned that spot without a doubt. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, that's I, I I know you've said that before and I could see how Spider-Man, that movie was probably the quintessential superhero movie for a certain age group that, yeah. you know, that was that was their big first superhero movie. Batman could have been for some. For me, it was Superman because I'm three years younger than George Miller. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, Brain Years is Superman. Mine was probably, you know, Batman 89 right. and uh, and even maybe more so the the Albert Pune Captain America. That that movie really resonated with me when I was little. And then uh, and then Ryan's got Spider-Man, which I mean, that movie is about twenty five thousand times better than the Captain America that I watched as a kid. <laughs> but but, you know, even though I wasn't of an age, you know, I wasn't 10 anymore. I can still appreciate it, you know, as, as a great film. So, and Spider-Man two is probably my top comic book movie of all time. Yeah. I definitely think of, of the Tobey Maguire ones Two was the, the pinnacle, uh, but two didn't have Randy Savage. So that's why it's not on this list. Sure. Right. And you and know what? Go ahead, Chad. I was going to say, there's that great meme out there. It's like, you know, Randy Savage for his role in Spider-Man spent, you know, 25 years in the wrestling industry and won multiple world titles. All preparing for a role. That's some Daniel Day-Lewis shit. (laughs) That's Daniel Day-Lewis style. Yeah, he deserved an Oscar. Uh, I was going to say that you brought up Captain America. Uh, Kind of feels like be a great 4th of July episode for us. Ooh, yeah. I think that's a great great idea. Long-term booking. There you go. All right. Anything else on Spider-Man before we move on? I love Spider-Man. We're ready. We're ready I to move on. I started playing the PS4. I, I, I wanted to wait until I got a PS5 to play the video game. It is fantastic. Easily one of my favorite iterations of Spider-Man, period. They just nailed it. So if you haven't played the game, even though it's been out for a few years, it's amazing. Go play it. All right. There you go. Number eight on the list. This one was released on April 2nd, 2004. It is Walking Tall, my personal favorite movie that The Rock has ever been in. And, uh, you know, he had these. And he also, uh, another WrestleMania alum, alumnus in there, Johnny Knoxville. There you go. Yeah, indeed. And uh, the lovely Ashley Scott. Undefeated Ooh. at WrestleMania, Johnny Knoxville. Ashley Scott? It's going for the Undertaker streak. Yeah, I know Ashley Scott. I guess. <laughs> she, yeah, nobody's defeated her. Of course, she no. hasn't had a match either, so that could help. And then uh, Neil I'd McDonough. To defeat her. Just I know. Uh, there we go. I, I thought we could get past Probably, it, but we're not. Here we go. It might get to go a little longer than a three count. But uh, not not probably by much. Seven, maybe tops. Twelve, yeah. <laughs> Twelve record breaking minutes. Uh, yes, Neil, minutes. Neil McDonough. He's awesome. Good. He's an excellent villain in this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, again, this obviously was based on the original Walking Tall, although The Rock does not play Buford Pusser. But you know, it's a tale that has been told many times, Chad. But they do it really, really well. I think. They do. And, you know, you can kind of, I mean, The Rock, he's a freakishly large man. Um, so it's like when, you know, an Arnold would do a movie where he just play like a normal guy. Right. Oh, wait, he didn't do that very often. And that's kind of how The Rock should be. Like, he's just so yeah. big and jacked, especially now, that it's hard for him to kind of pull off just like a normal guy look. Um, but I think this movie kind of does it as best as it can, it, you know. It's he he kind of comes back as it was a army ranger or something like that yep. and, and uh, 
gets thrown into the situation to where the town is in distress and he's got to grab his little two by four and fuck shit up. Right. It was a, it was an old lumber mill town and the yeah. mill shut down. And now the new enterprise there is a casino um, run by Neil McDonough's character. And yeah, so, you know, the, the town has changed since the last time he was there and not for the better. And that's, you know, that's the, the formula, the walking tall formula. You know, we've yeah. talked about the diehard formula, you know, there's absolutely a walking tall uh, formula and we've seen it uh, obviously here in the direct, yeah, I mean, they took the title, they had the rights and everything, but China O'Brien used it. Um, one man army from, uh, yeah. Who's in that one? Jerry Trimble. That's a Jerry Trimble movie. Basically the same damn story. So it's been done and it was done well here. Ryan Campbell, your thoughts. Yeah. It felt like in, in regards to the rock, who's the, you know, the, obviously the pro wrestler that's causing the conversation. This felt, I guess for the turn of the first time, it felt like maybe he was now kind of that he could do this as an actor. So his previous roles, I guess, obviously in Scorpion King and the rundown, Mm -hmm. it felt kind of like novelty, like, Oh, a wrestler in an action movie. This kind of felt like that, that kind of pivot point where he, where he still obviously carries all that baggage of being a pro wrestler, but it felt like, okay, this is probably something he's going to do for a while now. Like he can do it. You know, he did a little bit more of like actual acting in this. And then maybe some of the others were just kind of, banged right. on his charisma he like, had some romance in here he had yeah, yeah, he, family he, to interact with yeah. yeah he got to flex his acting muscles a little more and i think showed that this was something he was serious about and that he was going to pursue and obviously we all know where that goes um so I mean, this was an important movie i think in his you know grand scheme of his imdb history here and something you mentioned chad the, he almost does seem like a normal sized man in this movie compared mm-hmm. to what he looks like now like, like you forget, yeah. like he's he looks normal, where now he yeah. he looks more like peak Arnold. Yeah, he's he's all roided up now. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. I did not ask for his urine. Um, what we're gonna do now if we're done with that? That was we're a gonna... urine man. Okay, number seven on our list, Rocky Three. I mean, this one released May twenty eighth, nineteen eighty two. This one may be the most important movie on the list because i mean this really helped ignite professional wrestling's mainstream appeal because it starred as the ultimate male himself thunderlips mm-hmm. hulk hogan without this would we be talking about this entire list right now chad Cruz? yeah you you might be right i mean you know actors or wrestlers you know weren't really doing a lot of movies and they certainly weren't getting big roles um, not that that's a really big role, but, but it would have never happened, you know, after this had, had Hogan not, uh, done this film. And, and it is kind of funny because the, the, the type of movie that it is like, like Stallone isn't afraid to cast wrestlers in his movies. If he has any casting, you know, I'm sure he has some sort of pull, but right. they certainly make Hogan look like a million bucks in this movie. Um, much like, you know, Mr. T in this film. And then later in later movies, he always makes his, his guys that he fights against look awesome. So this was great for Hogan and it was great for WWF at the time. Well, and he wasn't even at in WWF at the time he was with AWA, but this made him a huge star outside of the wrestling bubble and certainly caught Vince McMahon's attention 
which is why he wanted to like when he's like we're going for this he got himself hulk hogan because and and it was a smart decision because he was the perfect guy to be the the flag bearer for this new world wrestling federation that was going to go coast to coast around the world and he didn't give a shit about who ran what territory he was going for it and the fact that mr t is in it as well and those are the two men who are in the main event of the first wrestlemania i mean again this thing is it's perfect it is perfect for this countdown and really would we even be have would there be a wrestlemania would we be at 39 wrestlemanias if that first one with hogan and mr t was not a success yeah, I mean, it's a great a great thought to think about. And, and I'm kind of surprised that it's at number seven, not a little bit higher on this list, for those reasons that you just mentioned, Brain, that this is kind of the the linchpin, the thing that started it all, you know, that both for Hogan himself and, and his, you know, superstardom, but like you said, WrestleMania, the entire WWF, Vince McMahon, I mean, everything that comes from this. Uh, this is probably, yeah, one of the probably easily, I mean, where you want to put on the list is whatever, but this is probably like easily the most important movie exactly. on the list. Exactly. And I just rewatched that scene uh, and Burt Young being just a wonderful human being that he is. It's like, you see Thunderlips coming down the aisle and he's like, why are they carrying him? No way, Burt. He's just that freaking tall. Just awesome the way they build him up and just that the visual chat of Stallone looking up at the Hulkster. You know, Stallone probably didn't normally want to look that small, but it was perfect here. Right. It made for, sense for this for this matchup. So Yeah, and of course you also got Carl Weathers, one of my favorites, Talia Shy, Burgess Meredith. Actually, this was a mix last official. Rocky does come back though. Like Yoda and, and Obi Wan in number five. And it's great for the story too, because it you know it, it it fits so well with the character of Rocky Balboa and and playfully being in this kind of exhibition match, but then it turns kind of real, and him being the underdog, look how small he is compared to Hogan or Thunderlips, and and then just duking it out with the guy and kind of going into you know grabbing him and tackling him as a wrestler himself. So it it it's not just you know fun, but it's also it works for the story. It was the ultimate male versus the ultimate meatball. It is Rocky <laughs> three and it is number seven on our list. And again, this is where I'd like to reiterate. This is a, a list of favorites, not movies that are necessarily the best of the best, because I don't know. Many people would say this next movie <laughs> is better than really anything that we've already mentioned, <laughs> but I'll tell you what it holds a very special place in my heart. I am an 80s WWF junkie. That is what brought me to the dance, so to speak. It is what caused this whole situation. It's how the reason I know you two guys is because I became a wrestling fan and I pursued that wrestling dream. And it is No Holds Barred, released June 2nd, 1989. This is peak WWE, WWF in the 80s, starring the man we just talked about, the Hulkster Hulk Hogan. And you can't blame Hollywood at this point for giving the Hulkster a shot, Chad. I mean, he had, stadiums were sold out because of Hogan. Pay-per-view yeah. records were broken. Uh, NBC, monster ratings on national TV. Hulkamania was running wild. It made sense to give this guy, who also had a little experience with the yeah. Rocky picture. So, I mean, it was perfect timing for him. Uh, and what a ridiculously over-the-top film this was, and we've covered it here in, mm -hmm. in, in length on the show. 
Yeah, I love that it's over the top, but it's still, uh, yeah, it's it's a great movie, and yeah, I use great in quotations because like you said that, I wouldn't say it's great, but it is fu- very fun. Uh, it, it's unique in what it does. This is seven years after Rocky Three came out, so you've got a different Hulk, you've got a, a more mature Hulk, you got um, he's a much different character than Thunderlips, and I don't know it it. it it's a strange film because it feels like I should watch this with my young kids. And then I start <laughs> thinking about some of the stuff that's in it. I was like, maybe we'll just wait a little while. Some of the uh, Vince McMahon potty humor that got into it. Uh, the dookie scene they've already seen. They've seen that scene multiple times. And yeah. my three-year-old still talks about that scene. So. <laughs> Stan Hansen was great in this movie too, as a, as the, from the pro wrestling world, as many other wrestlers were in it. Uh, but Brandon, I got to ask. Yes, sir. Which what what is it about the around the movie that you actually like more the physical movie or the episode of primetime where they're at the premiere? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, this is this came out at a time where they did not have monthly uh, pay per views or premium live events as they're known now. It wasn't a big monthly thing, so you had that WrestleMania lull. Like after WrestleMania, you didn't have anything until August. So this was perfect in there because you had June. It came out right at the beginning of summer and it just dominated WWE programming. And yes, mm-hmm. when Gorilla and Heenan went to the theater, what a wonderful time that was. And it's, it's an event too. Like this, when this movie came out, it was an event with, within the WWF. Um, oh yeah. Like you said it was like for weeks and weeks and weeks, like, it was just all about this movie. The marketing and the push around it was almost oh. as, as, as as what you remember as fondly and entertaining as the movie itself. And which is why SummerSlam that year was yeah. Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake against his rival from the movie Zeus, played by Tommy Tiny Lister, and the Macho Man, who was obviously the perennial villain of, of the Hulkster yeah. after their breakup earlier in the year. So, yeah, I mean... They turn this movie, which did not do an. I mean, I think it, it did make money back because I don't think it was that had a huge budget to begin with, but it was not a huge success. But when you tap into the fact that they had a huge pay per view buy because right. of it, it was worth doing, and it's obviously quite memorable. And I think it's something that, in the time, people were probably more harsh to it. Now that time has gone by, you know, it's kind of one of those you can kind of look back on although some people for some people this might be their surf ninjas and they're like how the hell did you like this and And to them i say never mind go on yeah nostalgia plays a part of it for all those absolutely and that's the point i brought up in in our last podcast if it's a nostalgia thing anything could be good because you just ninjas was a great sleepover movie that we would watch (laughs) with like you know uh or surf ninjas three ninjas and turtles two it was like the trifecta yeah now yeah, it's it's an objectively terrible movie. <laughs> I actually I actually watched Three Ninjas last night with my kids, but that holds I think up a little better. I would say if I'm they, comparing they, the two, I think Three Ninjas yes. holds up better than Surf Ninjas. Did they not run this back in WCW as well? This match? Oh, did, did WCW not run everything back? They had to. That's what they did, right? Yes, exactly. With the cage, the three cages or whatever. Oh yeah, and I think they even had Jeep Swenson in there. Did they not? No. As he was some- like. His name was crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it got them in some trouble. It was like a Nazi name or something. It, it certainly was. So he was in was. there. It was like, I'm not going to say. Uh, yeah, he was in there. Uh, Joe LaDuke, big Joe LaDuke. Uh, son, yeah, and two jobbers even made it in there. Sunny Beach and the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. And if you were a fan of 80s, you saw them get beat many, many times. Uh, and let's not forget Kurt Fuller, who was an excellent villain. Yeah, he's always good. He, he was he was the brains behind the brawn that was Zeus. He brought it to you. He 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 got he understood the assignment and just committed 110 percent to that role too. And that reminds me that I have to order my Zeus action figure uh, before I forget. I missed out on the No Holds Barred set, but I'm not going to miss out on the Solo Zeus release. So I think you know what we're going to pause for the calls. I'll go order that Zeus figure, and then we'll be back to continue our countdown with the top five favorite action movies starring a professional wrestler after this. I'm Kyle Kukta, director of The Wound Within and co-host of Horror Movie Night Podcast. And I'm Jeanette Wall, writer of The Wound Within and host of the Horrors of Love Podcast. And we are currently crowdfunding on Seed and Spark to bring this short horror film to life. A young woman discovers a mysterious lesion on her chest the morning after a disappointing tryst with a new lover. Throughout the rest of her day, she finds that she might not be the only one who's experiencing these unsightly symptoms. Incentives include opportunities to be part of our podcasts, behind-the-scenes photo books, original soundtrack cassette, and more. To contribute and make this film a reality... Go to seedandspark.com and search The Wound Within. Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz, and Ryan Campbell back with you here on the Bulletproof Podcast. And we are talking wrestlers and action movies. We're counting down our top 10 favorites. We're halfway through the list, guys. And now we're up to the top five. And oh, I said it for the last movie. The last movie was a bit over the top. But this one, Chad Cruz, is literally over the top. It is over the top. Released February 13th, 1987. This one, a canon classic. And it's so canon, it was directed by Menachem Golan himself. Indeed. And it is so canon that it, they spent boatloads of money getting this movie made with Stallone. And it just did not do well. And it helped to probably destroy the canon product. <laughs> um and Barry. 1987 was a rough year uh, for tough. Canon. Yeah. Between Over the Top and Masters of the Universe, and these are, <laughs> I know they did not do well. I know they spent way too much money, but I freaking love both of those movies, and we'll watch it right now. Yeah. Yes. On. Props to them, though, for kind of trying to branch out from the mold that they've created and really try to, like, make a splash. And, you know, but yeah, definitely sometimes you got to stick to your, stick to your, but they're both cult classics, and they've only, got, you know, continued to have a following all these years later. Uh, yeah, much like No Holds Barred, I think it's something that more and more you see it as time goes on. It's not that bad. It's not right. as bad as people made it out to be. And and the main reason we're talking about this is because of Terry Funk, correct? Absolutely. Terry Funk plays Rooker in there. He was uh, like the bodyguard of Robert Loja's character, uh, who was at odds with Stallone's Lincoln Hawk uh, over the custody of Lincoln Hawk's son uh, and Loja's grandson, played by David Mendenhall, Michael, Michael Cutler. Um, and that's not the first time Stallone had Terry Funk. They actually uh, worked together in Paradise Alley oh, okay. uh, back in the, I think, either late 70s, early 80s. It was a old time wrestling movie 
um, you know, Stallone had, had done because Stallone is a, a wrestling fan, which if you hadn't already known by some of the casting decisions he's made, that movie would tell you he was. Were they in uh, the Italian Stallion together? <laughs> no, Chad. Not that I, well, I, I shouldn't say no. I've never seen that movie. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I know of the film. <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know if it's as good as you believe a man can spray, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, Terry Funk. He's good. The Funker, if you will. I remember yeah, one. didn't. Uh... Didn't PL tell a story about seeing his pecker? <laughs> yes. While we're talking about Terry Funk being naked. Yes. Uh, it was a, what is it? X, X, XWF, I believe. Uh, yeah. PL, they were running in, in Texas and uh, he, PL went there and uh, got invited into the locker room and mm-hmm. saw quite a bit of the Funker. Uh, he mentioned that on our showdown episode. If you'd like to go back in the archives and listen to that. I wonder if he'll mention that in his Hall of Fame speech. <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, Terry Funk's uh, flaccid penis there you go. for this award. Yeah, I mean, because Terry Funk himself is a Hall of Famer. So yes, yeah, one you know, Hall of Famer to another. <laughs> there you go, Ryan Campbell. Anything you want to say about Over the Top? Yeah, I mean, I remember watching it very early. Like a lot of these movies, you know, some of them, especially the 80s ones, I don't, I haven't seen, you guys have to tell me about, but I, Over the Top's one I definitely remember watching as a kid, whether it being on cable TV or wherever, seeing it. I do remember too, I don't know if it was in the hype of it all around that time, but like this guy my dad worked with when I was a kid did like competitive arm wrestling. And I remember we went to like this bar once to see it and it was this crazy atmosphere and everything. And there was these, this big tournament for arm wrestling. So was uh, it a double elimination tournament? I don't remember the specifics because I was probably seven or eight. Well, or the, the ring announcer, the announcer did not mention it 92 times like he does in over the top. While we're talking wrestlers and over the top, I would be remiss if I did not mention Scott flash Norton is briefly seen in there. He of course was a legitimate arm wrestler before he became a professional wrestler, uh, trained by Vern Gagne, uh, and then had most of his success over in Japan and, uh, obviously in WCW as well. What was his tag team with a buff called? Oh, fucking a, I don't remember. Yeah, I can't either. WCW trash. <laughs> whoa, whoa dude him and buff together were great but you know with scott norton it was always like he didn't want to look bad because he was a big deal in japan yeah so it was just like buff getting the shit beat out of him all the time yeah well that's but, everybody serves a role in professional wrestling and that was yeah. buffs at the time none of buff bagwell's uh andy sedaris movies made our countdown just a spoiler alert for anybody who's I'll there. watch it. We're way. getting into the top four. You're anticipating it being there. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's not even in the top 20. I don't think anybody even voted for it. To be oh, honest man. So, it may be somebody forgot. You know, that's the problem. Like you, you sit down and you think, oh, and then next thing you know, it's like, I can't get at all of them that I want to, to mention. But uh, that's why we do these. That's why we have multiple people do them. So then when there's a consensus, we have a, a pretty good list. And I think we've got a pretty good list here. And over the top, I love this movie. If it's on Pluto when this was done recording, I'll watch it. Or if I watch Wildor again, like I did the other night, I'll watch him. Either way, canon all the way. All right, number four in this one. It's got Ryan Campbell's fingerprints all over it. 
It is a movie that was released on August 1st, 2014. It is Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely, I, I think a key moment in the entire evolution of the MCU, and and if you, especially as we go further, you know, down the rabbit hole of the MCU, and there's kind of this tone now of like a little bit of comedy and lightheartedness that's mixed in with everything. And I feel like you can trace that all the way back to Guardians of the Galaxy being, on, I think, one of the more important movies in the entire MCU. It introduced the idea of going to space, which now everything's involved in universes and space, and it just keeps amping up. But also just that that comedic tone is there now. It also proved that they can do whatever the hell they want. Because before this, it was, you know, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, like names that everyone knows. And I remember leading up to this, the idea that they were going to market a movie that had a talking raccoon and a tree in it. And people being like, this is the real test to see if they can pull this yeah. off. And then obviously it's some people's favorite movie in the entire MCU run. Um, of course, Dave Bautista being the, the pro wrestler that we're referencing that, that's, uh, you know, obviously stars in the movie as Drax. Um, but he was great in it. The, the way that he showed everybody, I mean, the wrestling fans had kind of seen a little bit of the comedic side of him and that he could do that, but the dry humor and the way that he presents himself and the way that he plays Drax here is just perfect. And, you know, he's now he's carried it. He'll be doing, doing finishing up his role as Drax for the last time coming up later this year in the, um, third guardians of the galaxy movie. But, uh, you know, he showed that he can do. And since then, I mean, his career, you could have picked, we could have probably filled a decent amount of this list with Dave Batista movies. Cause he's done, he's worked for some pretty incredible directors. He's worked for Ridley Scott. He's worked for in my Shyamalan. Now he's worked for, um, uh, Dennis Villanueva. Like oh, it's insane. The amount of directors that he's worked for, they seem to really like him. Uh, he can do everything. He can do the serious stuff. He can do the comedy. He can do the action. Uh, and this was kind of his coming out party and, you know, his big role in the MCU. Yeah. I mean, this definitely changed his, his career trajectory uh, forever uh, gave him a big mainstream movie and, and showed what he was capable of uh, because he had some pretty awful movies prior to that. Mm-hmm. He really did. Wrong this, side of town, for instance. And that, that's, what's so surprising about this is because maybe it's just the, the change in tone of the character from the ones previously, uh, that you just mentioned, they were, those were really bad, but this one, uh, and he's had some that weren't so great since, but yeah, he's worked with so many good directors. I mean, if you put in a James Bond movie or you're put in Dune for seven seconds or whatever, like, you know, like he's going to be in the second one more, I'm sure, but he, he's had kind of a lot of opportunities and I, I liked him a lot in that new, uh, M night Shyamalan movie. I thought he did a good job in that. Um, but I think this is probably, I mean, I thought he was hilarious in this movie. It, and th- I might be one of the ones who thinks this is like one of their best MCU movies out there. And I haven't seen any recent ones the last few years, but um, I can't say whether they've kind of gone down in quality of the last few years, but that seems to be what I keep hearing. I mean, it's an, it's inevitable that you're going to uh, for a side tangent. I mean, you can't have, you can't build up to the culmination of your, you know, 12 years of storytelling and end game, and then just keep that going uh, again to come back to wrestling. You have to build to the blow off and then you go back, you reset, you build again. So I think it's set a very high bar and people aren't willing to kind of wait now and build up to the next big thing and introduce new characters, build up new stars, let your old ones that are established, put over the new young guys and build new stars for the future. All again, all wrestling stuff. They're very, they're really booking it a lot like wrestling, yeah, uh, that people aren't super into, you know, that waiting process. They don't, 
they're not seeing how the, the lines, the dots connect. So, Would, um, but I think we'll get there in, in, in three, four years from now, we'll be doing the culmination of this arc and people will probably be all on board again. Is it like uh, the first phase or how many ever phases it was leading up to the Thanos movies? Was that like mega powers? You know, when you know, that was that whole storyline. And then the next phases after that are like AEW. Wow. You skipped over a lot. <laughs> introduce tired, somebody, tired, introduce tired. somebody. And now they get a title shot and you're supposed to know who they are. I mean, Ooh. we're going to see the same thing once the bloodline angle ends. They've been building that now for two what? years. It's going to end. Eventually, whenever it does. If it doesn't end this weekend, whenever it does, there's going to be this come down where that's over. Roman's probably going to take some time off, and you're going to be left with you know, nothing's going to seem that big. Nothing's going to nothing's going to be as important as what that storyline has been for the past right. year and a half to two years. But they're going to have to start from scratch and build to the next thing. And and if people are willing to ride with that those early stages as we you know ramp up to the next thing, that's kind of the story. But inevitably, you just can't you can't stay at eleven the entire time. No. That's why rock bands have ballads. You have to bring them down to bring them back up again. I love a good ballad. Every rose has its thorn. Um, yeah, and I think another thing, obviously, too, is more the more movies that come out the more everyone okay we've seen superhero you know there's there's some of that superhero fatigue as well that i think is starting to creep in on some people like you said chad you haven't even bothered well i I, i'm kind of in the same you know i I pick and choose usually which ones um but yeah i i've seen less than they're out you know i've missed more than there are than i've seen i guess i'm certainly more where there's entire seasons i've never seen yeah I'm I'm certainly more of a DC guy than I was a Marvel guy growing up, and I that doesn't mean I didn't get Marvel. I I, I liked the X Men a lot and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I was always more of a Superman Batman guy than than anything else. I respect that. Uh, all right, well, let's move on. The top three, and I don't think these top three. Like when when I was conceiving the, us doing this idea of doing a countdown these t- were the top three movies that I figured would end up being the top three movies. I didn't know the exact order they'd be in, but this is what I was figuring because number three released November 13th, 1987. It is the running man directed by Paul Michael Glazer of Starsky and Hutch fame. And this one, Chad based on a Stephen King story. Yeah. Based on a Stephen King story. Uh, I don't, I don't think it, it, what was that? I don't know if I knew that that was based on a Stephen King story. It was indeed. And you know a, now. I know you was, learn something new every day. That's the goal. It was like a, yeah, not a novel, but like a, a shorter story that he had written. Right. And it was, it doesn't look a lot like this movie. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think the, the casting of Arnold Schwarzenegger did two things. It, it, it changed the, the main character, what he, what he would act like. And then it made a bunch of money. So yeah. Um, I think that if you put somebody else in the lead, it probably doesn't do as well. Um, but the movie itself, it kind of had a, a similar theme to to what the book was, and I think that was the purpose of it. And and like you said, the Running Man, it, it, we love it, right? Late '80s, just Arnold action. You can't go wrong with it. And now you add in Jesse Ventura as Captain Freedom. We've got Professor Toru Tanaka, who was also in Three Ninjas, as Sub Zero, and, and the uh, Perfect Weapon, and the Perfect Weapon. And you know what? He was in the Perfect Weapon. He would have been. I believe 60, 60 or 61. 
he did some damage. He's also in Revenge of the Ninja. My God, this old elderly man needs to slow down. Yeah. Well, he's dead now, but. Right. Yeah, so he's as slow as he's going to get now. Yeah, he's 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 just rotting away. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and this one written by, you know, again, it was based on the story, uh, Stephen King's short story, but Stephen E. D'Souza, who did Commando, who did Die Hard. I mean, my goodness, Some heavy names in this one. Yeah. And and I think I, I have to mention him. One of my absolute favorites. Yafet Kodo. I mean, he's pretty freaking awesome. A pivotal and role. He's in. Oh, he's so awesome. And Maria he, Conchita Alonso is is uh, just very, very sexy in this movie. And and we get through. we get Kurt Fuller again as like the lackey to our right. main bad guy, Richard Dawson, who is absolute perfection in the role. Uh, obviously, playing a game show host, which he had quite a bit of expertise in, but he was an evil right game show host. And Richard Dawson's there. bodyguard was played by Hubrain. Old Sven Ole Thorson. Yes, thank you. Who, who's uh, uh, in as many Arnold films as Arnold could get him in. And uh, this was one of them. Yep. He's like the uh, Michelle Kesey of Arnold. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, The Running Man is such a fantastic concept. Uh, and, you know, in some ways, not too far off of how things have ended up uh, just with the crazy reality type TV shows mm-hmm. that that yeah, come out. I mean, you got the one now where they're up in Alaska and they might die. Uh, it's, you know, there's a lot going on on TV and, and the running man kind of was ahead of its time, knew what was coming. Even just, yeah, it definitely, it, it's almost like Robocop in the way that it was ahead of its time and kind of predicted a lot of things, but even beyond just, you know, reality shows, even the way we make our movies. Now we've got, you know, like the hunger games and all these, uh, battle royale video games and and you know last man left alive kind of stuff like that's it's a concept that is all over the place now in movies video games books tv shows wherever so it definitely uh ahead of its time and still holds up the movie holds up ridiculously well it doesn't need nostalgia goggles it doesn't need camp or anything like that like you can watch i think if you showed it to someone for the first time today they would be into it so that that's that's a huge you know mark for it but more than anything like that, Brain, our in our internal obsession with movie betting scenes, I think all started with Running Man. That's the one thing they got wrong, though, I guess, about the future, because now you could just do it on your phone. And you didn't oh, don't, don't just have to wave pieces wave of paper money. and money. Oh, money and, and they're, they're just handing them pieces of paper. They're handing yeah. them money and it, putting it on a chalkboard. No, Nothing it's all it's all digital now, folks. You don't need all that. So that's the one thing Running Man got wrong. Of course, these weren't the, you know, they weren't the wealthiest people down there. They were spending their last $10 to bet on these Running Man games. So who knows? And they weren't even doing it wisely. They're just literally shouting and throwing money at people. Who even know what they're betting on. They don't. No. One day we'll have to try to get some sort of gambling expert to see if he could explain that entire situation to us. All right, guys, we're at number two now. This one was released on November 4th, 1988. It is directed by John Carpenter. It is They Live. Chad Cruz, this is a classic. It certainly is. It's uh, when we talk about these, these professional wrestlers playing roles in these movies, oftentimes they're small roles. Sometimes they're kind of medium-sized roles. 
this Roddy Piper role is a big old donkey dick role. Like it's big. <laughs> and he is the lead character alongside Keith David. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he carries, they carried this movie. It's, it's, it's totally a John Carpenter movie and it, you can feel it. You can sense it. Everything about this movie looks John Carpenter esque and shouts John Carpenter. Sounds and, like it. Uh, it. Sounds like it. It talks like it. It walks like it. What's the rest? What's the rest of it? Must be a duck. Uh, it must be a duck. But yeah, this is Roddy Piper's film. And to me, like, right. Hogan had thunder lips, but without this Roddy Piper movie, like maybe yeah. there's no rock. You know what I mean? Piper is the first wrestler to have a starring role to be the star of a film is hot rod, Roddy Piper. And that's why back in 87, when he retired, uh, you know, and then this comes out, it's like, okay, he's done. You, you, I mean, I also was younger and more naive to the world of wrestling, but I mean, honestly, though, if he was still, if he was getting a bunch of roles like this, he may never have come back or it would have right. definitely been a lot further down the line than, you know, by 1989, he was already back again. So, yeah, I definitely think that like, I don't know if there's just this, this a stigma or just what people were, were a thought that, you know professional wrestlers could do but if you had a role like this in a movie that was successful and as good as this today yeah that person would never go back to wrestling that would be right it it, it, this was like his guardians of the galaxy if he was you know he would have then been in in everything and maybe he would do a a occasional appearance here or there but definitely not where i mean he was back on the road with them came and went 52 times was in wcw for a while was in tn i mean he was everywhere uh at one point or another um it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Exactly. I mean, he was doing stuff uh, pretty much up until we unfortunately lost him. Um, and of course, Chad, we got to talk about the fight. Yeah. I mean, that is the the long, longest fight scene, I think, in, in his, although I don't know. I think these John Wick movies may have beat it because <laughs> uh, that's like three hours of fight scenes. Um, Keith David, Roddy Piper. What a combination. Yeah, my goodness. I mean, the the so much toxic masculinity in that scene, uh, just oozing out of them. But as they beat the shit out of each other for like twelve minutes straight, yeah, in that alleyway, just throwing each other against the dumpster and suplexing them in the streets. I mean, it, it, you could tell that they went for it, like they wanted to make it good. And uh, you know, you can imagine the people who were filming this just being like is this like, are we still doing this? Like, is it, are we, should we stop? Like, is this too long? What are we doing here? And it was probably very confusing for them, but it turned out to be such a great scene and probably the one, the most memorable scene in the movie. Absolutely. And let's not forget the freaky eyed Meg Foster. (laughs) Evil Lynn herself was, was in that as well. Um, So yeah, just a, you know, and it was a John Carpenter movie that didn't star Kurt Russell. So that alone makes it somewhat unique. Yeah. Also one that that is held up well and kind of found an audience again in modern times with just, if nothing else, just the memeness of it, you know, the, the whole, the way people don't trust the government and the conspiracies. And if you want to dive into really deep corners of the internet, it's like a, you know, meme for an uncovering the secrets and everything. So um, whether you agree with them or not, you can't deny that the movie has found an audience again. And, and if nothing else, just for the, for the lulls, uh, has kind of found its voice and, 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 you know, pre predetermined or, or ahead of its time with the way people kind of think about things now. 
there's a great picture that uh, it was Piper with Vince, announcer Vince McMahon, that somebody has obviously took and <laughs> taken Vince's face off and put like a They Live Alien face on it. <laughs> I, I always love when that pops up somewhere on social media because it's perfect. All right, guys. Number one. You, if, if you're listening, you probably know what it is. This is number one on a lot of lists. This could be just number one, period, of all time. It was released on June 12th, 1987. It is Predator, directed by John McTiernan. We covered this episode. You could check out our long discussion about Predator in the archives. But Chad Cruz, you can never talk about Predator too much. No, it's, it's it really is one of those movies that kind of has it all, you know, with the the remarkable cast that they that they put in place and uh, the story. I mean, you, you could talk about this movie on on like Ryan said on on a lot of lists, right? Best action movies, best uh, best horror films, best action horror, best science fiction, um, best ensemble cast. You could you could pretty much do whatever you wanted with this damn movie, and, and it would fit because. Because it's got so much going for it, and in this case, Jesse Ventura as uh, Sergeant Blaine, um, he's just a, a wonderful piece of casting, and not just because of his size and kind of stature on screen, but also because of his Navy SEAL background and, and, and the fact that he didn't need a lot of training to walk through the jungle. So, and this is one of the movies that the more you read about it, the more you kind of dive into the special features and bonus features the more you'll love this film. I mean, he's got the awesome old painless gun. He's got a sore ass. Uh, he's got a nasty habit. I mean, he's good. And he's got that MTV shirt. This is fantastic. Um, probably my most anticipated movie of 1987 was Predator. I so badly wanted to see this movie. Um, and, and again, part of it was because it was getting hyped on WWF and they could sell me anything ice cream bars included. Uh, and you know, and again, it's an Arnold film. It's got Carl Weathers, which was like, Oh my God, that's so awesome. Carl Weathers, normally the Stallone guy. Now he's with Arnold. Uh, you got other great people who've popped up in so many of our favorites, Bill Duke, Sonny Landham. I mean, that cast is awesome. And, and that's, what I think speaks highly to Jesse Ventura. Cause he still stands out in a, a group of just amazing action stars. One and number three, Jesse Ventura on this list. Um, How about that? Yeah, that, that he, he under- and both of those movies released in '87. She, hmm. I mean, I'd be happy for one of them, to, something of this caliber, to come out in today's world, but two in the same year. But Batman and Robin is not on here. I'm sorry to say, Batman and Robin did not make the Jesse top Ventura ten. Did it make the top twenty? There's one not. way to find out. <laughs> okay. It did it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can find the full list uh, at bulletproofaction.com. Uh, anything else we want to say about Predator? Chad Cruz. I love it. That's all that needs to be said. Ch- Brian Campbell. It, it, it's amazing when you watch it to think that it was made in 87. And that's no offense to some of the other movies that are around in the late 80s. But I mean, again, you put that in front of someone who you know just stepped off a, a or just came out of cryo freeze for the past 40 years. 
sit them down and have them watch that movie. They would never know that it didn't come out last week. Well, and I think that's part of it too, because they're in the jungle. So it's not like you're not like seeing dated technology. They're a military group in the jungle. Shooting even, guns. You know, the predator suit though, like up, up on part. No one even now is making right. costumes that look as good as that, you know, and the effects, the explosions, it's just absolutely props to Stan it. Winston, mm-hmm. the man. Yeah. Predator definitely deserves to be number one on this list. And as you said, Chad, any number of other lists, um, Predator, what a what a way to wrap up our countdown of our favorite action movies starring or featuring professional wrestlers. And, and what a, a Hall of Fame list. I mean, Ventura, Piper, Hogan, Terry oh. Funk, Macho Man, Randy Savage and Nathan Jones. Uh, <laughs> he, he might not belong there. Uh, the, the Rock certainly would. Um, yeah. But uh, Mr. T's a Hall of Famer. Mr. T is a Hall of Famer. I was actually there when he was inducted and uh, praised his mother. Part of me still feels like we're there. Uh, exactly. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here now. And you know, again, you can see the full list at bulletproofaction.com. Um, we always try to have something new up there all the time. I, Ryan, I know you're going to continue your Mandalorian coverage. Yeah, a little late this week since I was out of town, but I'm getting ready to watch it as soon as we get off this call. I've stayed off the internet. I've not; It's not been spoiled for me, so I'm looking forward to it. I could, I'm going to spoil one thing for you. Carl Weathers is in it. Uh, he directed the last episode. I know he did, but I don't know if he directed this, but he's definitely in this episode. because I, I, heard was already, that, I was already uh, searching for pictures earlier. I heard that Mando leaves the helmet on but removes his bottoms oh that would definitely yeah. get the fact i wouldn't have been able to stay off the or the internet would have not let me right you would have had <laughs> you would have had a bottomless picture all over social media jeez. Uh, uh you know what i'm going to be doing here in the next few days chad cruz a look back at a knight's tale Ooh, that's a good one okay that's a fun one that's a that's a good one that's uh one of those movies that happened yeah, it's one I had not seen in a while, so uh, I decided to watch it and uh, do a little 10 things you didn't know about okay. a Night's Tale, as a matter it's of fact. very long. It was. That's one thing I forgot, that it was yeah. like over two hours long. Yeah, um, it's too long, to be honest with you. Okay, well, but there fun. you go. Is that one of your 10 things that's too long? No, it oh, will okay. not be one of my... That would be that would have been number 11. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm going to be doing that. Uh, just recently covered uh, John Wick chapter four, and you know it's a good movie, Chad. When all of like the action Twitter people mm-hmm. are like trying to one up who loved it more. Yeah, yeah, they're doing that for sure. Uh, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. That I I want to watch it badly. You want to talk about a long movie? Holy shit! Ten minutes shy of three hours. Oh my god, dude! By the time that movie's over, I'll have another child. <laughs> What what are you doing in that term? Okay. Uh, so yeah, we'll be doing that. Uh, and I don't know what else, what else April will hold for a, Oh, there's a, I have a screener, but I don't remember what it's called, but it doesn't matter. Again, we're always doing something over there on Bulletproof Action. Oh, I know tomorrow as this drops, I've got some good Leslie Nielsen, unlike Surf Ninjas in our scene of the week. And, and oh yeah. And then following week, Leave it to Matt Spector to uh, take the whole April showers thing a bit too literally. So that just a teaser out there for you. Uh, anything else, you know, you're going to be working on uh, Chad Cruz. I, I have. Know you, I know no you promised idea. us some Jet Li before. Or, I did. I did. I forgot about that. 
<laughs> but I've got something on standby. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I've got a, a movie I started last night. That was that was one that I kind of had seen one of our, our our action Twitter buddies there recommending or referring in a way, and I said, mm. "Wow, that looks interesting." I don't know how I've never seen that before. So I, I found that last night, and uh, I don't want to ruin it for anybody what it is, but it's called Gunhead. Uh, I so wait. I'm very excited for that one. I'm about halfway through it, so. It should be fun. And then, and then, you know what? I just kind of play it by ear. I know that's right. I know that's right. Ron <laughs> Campbell, anything else come, anything coming out in April? Oh, you know, is it Sisu? Oh, that looks good. I think that comes out at the end of April. So I believe it does. Yeah. You know, great. I've got a couple, uh, I've got a couple, uh, screeners that were sent to me. Yeah. That looked somewhat promising. Okay. Little, little Louis Mandalore movie. Okay. Um, and maybe a Mickey Rourke, Casper Van Dien movie. Did you see that one? I did not. I got one. I, the one I got, it's has Brian Krause in it again. Why do I keep getting Brian Krause movies? That's the Louis Mandalore one. Okay. Then that's, yeah. yeah. I there's knew a, there was somebody else in there other than yeah. just Brian Krause. Okay. I did get that screener. So. There's a CVD one with uh, Mickey Rourke and Mina Savari in it called A oh. Hunt Club. Oh, um, all right. That'll come out, I believe, in early April. So, uh April fourth. Maybe, 4th, that, if, maybe if that's will. what uh, we'll see from Jared Cruz. Yeah, slide that in. Slide that in the, on the on the schedule, and and I'll I knock will. that bad boy out. I'll be working on that. Here you know, shortly. I love a good Mickey Rourke plastic face. Yeah, oh yeah, his lizard-like features always oh entertain me. Uh, I heard if you it, put sunglasses on from They Live, he actually looks normal. <laughs> I believe it. I believe what you're saying to me. All right, guys. Uh, do, do anybody want to make a WrestleMania prediction? I, I think Ryan Campbell already did. He's he's picking <laughs> that the Bloodline is losing all their belts, which would probably make sense as as they I, I, honestly. I think it's going to be a lot of we're going to make people in this WrestleMania. Yeah, this because is WrestleMania in game. The interest yeah. is very is probably its highest it's been in quite a long time. WrestleMania already has the most eyeballs on it that any show is going to have. So you want to make guys like an Austin Theory. Yeah. Uh, you want to make a guy like Omos. You want to yeah. make a guy like Dom Mysterio, Prison Dom. I mean, how in freaking world that we're living in that Dominic Mysterio is someone I'm excited to watch. Well, <laughs> if you would have told me that a year ago, I would have been like, get the hell away from me. But you they take Roman away. He's maybe the best heel on the roster. He is a freaking awesome heel. Yeah, and I cannot wait to see that match. Um, I think it's Rhea Ripley's time. I think you know she needs to get that win. Um, who else we got in that? That uh, a little Demon Balor. Yeah, that's the one I'm most torn on because you would think this is the blow off and that Edge should win. And it's not like Finn Balor's a youngster. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would go with. I'm gonna say Edge, but I wouldn't be upset if Finn Balor won. Because you kind of need heels ready to get ready to go for Cody if Cody in fact yeah. does dethrone Roman. I think Reigns. that's exactly right. You got to have you got to set up the next heel, and it's got to be somebody that can easily lose and who's got guys behind him that can also lose. Right. It, that that yeah. makes the most sense to me. I think uh, Gunther. I think he's going to keep his IC belt, especially if Roman loses, because then Gunther basically becomes the longest reigning champion in the company, and he's kind of already got a built-in situation with Cody based on the the Rumble, so they could yeah. eat that up whenever they need to. Uh, so you got that. Um, 
But yeah, you know, Roman has had a, a hell of a reign. The Bloodline thing has been the most interesting storyline they've done in decades that, you know, reminiscent of the Hart family drama, reminiscent of the mega power drama. That's really where WWE has always excelled when they could add those soap opera elements into it and make it very personal. And plus you have the title involved. It's, it's per, I mean, a year ago, again, I think everybody was thinking, Oh, it's going to be Roman and the rock. You don't even need the freaking rock on this show. No, no, it hasn't come up at all in the lead it, up. It's like, lead, it, if the, it would ruin it, it's it, important because the rock's not there. It would ruin it. If he was on the show at this point, it's like, no, save that for some other time because we don't need him. Sorry, rock. Keep doing what you're doing. Maybe 40 when it's just you and Roman, maybe no belt involved, just bragging rights for who is the mm-hmm. true head of the table. Love it. Any predictions for uh, surprises? I know Orton should be coming back soon. There's is Jay White. Did he sign? Is he going to be a Monday? Oh, I want to make an NXT prediction. I was going to ask is Mello. Mello, don't miss. Mello, Carmelo Hayes, my absolute favorite in NXT, will be the new NXT champion, which would then probably open the door for Braun Breaker to make his main roster debut possibly Monday after Raw. Or the bra after Mania. I saw a theory where maybe a theory hat where Cena would win and then have open challenge in Raw and Breaker would beat him on Raw. Oh, no, they need to. Theory has to win. After mm-hmm. that dressing down he got, he has to win. Unless they really just absolutely hate Austin Theory, which I don't believe they do. I won't start a conspiracy. But yeah, I'm excited about this mania. Uh, And I told you uh, the other day, Ryan, normally when it's about this time or leading up, I'm watching old manias to kind of get in the mood for wrestling. I don't need to watch old manias. I'm all locked in on this year's WrestleMania. So I was on YouTube has a compilation. that's about two hours and 12 minutes or something of just all the bloodline like segments going all the way back to the pandemic and the Thunderdome. And I sat there and watched that entire thing until about one thirty in the morning. That's about how <laughs> invested I am at this point. Yeah, it, it's, you know, and that was, you think about that. It was so simple. It was just a shot of Roman sitting there and Heyman popped. It was sitting next to him. And it's like that, like changed everything. That one simple thing changed everything. And, and uh, I just adds to it to go back and watch those, early, you know, in the Thunderdome, no crowd, all the little face cams on zoom. Yeah. And just, I mean, yeah, that big, that cage match on Christmas was something, like, something special. Just Jay and Roman all up yeah. to those two to, to get it over. And then fast forward now to these ginormous crowds losing their freaking minds for Sammy and KO hugging and stuff like that. Like yeah. to see where the story has gone. Is it's, just it's been a, a lot of monster pops over the past couple months on WWE programming. So if we haven't chased you away with that talk, if you're not a wrestling fan, of course, if you're not a wrestling fan, you may not have watched, listened to any of this chat. I don't know. It's true. But they yeah. w- want to listen to our next episode. I think they do. You know, you you know think what we're going to be? They will. Uh, maybe because we're going to cover something fun. We're going to cover toy soldiers. It's been a while since I've watched that one chat and I'm looking forward to it. I feel like, got, a long path. I feel like we talked about that a long time ago. It's got, it's got Lewis Gossett Jr. In it. Nothing sells like Sean Astin, right? Sean Astin, Lewis Gossett Jr. Andrew Devoff. And, uh, Den home uh, Elliot from the, uh, Indiana Jones movies. The kid from star Trek. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton, yep. yep. He's in there. Uh, the other, Keith Coogan, isn't he the other one from uh, Adventures in Babysitting? Frickin' hey, I love that one, too. That's not really 
in our what, wheelhouse here on what the about show. Elizabeth Shue though in that oof. she's very good and uh, she could be confused for a playboy centerfold she's so hot oof. it's mm. from the movie and Thor that. is in the movie as well Thor yep the first oh, movie apparent uh, feature film appearance of Thor mm-hmm awesome movie I might watch that sometime when I don't have to do bulletproof action work. No, watch some more action movies and get some posts just in case. I, you know, I try to, you know, I try to. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for this WrestleMania special here on a Saturday. What the it's, you never know when the bulletproof podcast will drop, but here we are at WrestleMania special. Want to thank you for listening. Thank you guys for joining me. This has been a fun chat. Um, and as always, Stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 